Welcome to the Hired by Passion podcast. I'm your host, Marcel Richard, and I will be interviewing artists and entrepreneurs on how they were able to escape the 9 to 5 and turn their passion into an income. Hello and welcome to the Hired by Passion podcast. I have a great interview for you today. If you follow on the Facebook page, you might have noticed that I just recently interviewed Biff Naked. That episode will be next week, but this week I have something equally as good. I have my childhood friend Stephanie Gauguin with me. I really like having Stephanie on the podcast because she's a very passionate person and she's passionate about hairstyling. She's been doing that for a while and she's been going up in the ranks of doing bigger and bigger things in the hairstyling field. Stephanie has been in the hairstyling profession for over 15 years and she has a passion for hair. Whether it be in the salon, participating in hairstyling competition or as a national portfolio artist for L'Oréal Professional Canada. In this episode, Stephanie tells us about doing it for the passion and the money will come. We talk about trying not to satisfy everyone and her need to create and where she finds her inspiration. We talk about the real importance of listening to your clients and critiquing your own work to get feedback on how to improve. We talk about the benefits of surrounding yourself with people that have similar goals, as well as stepping out of your comfort zone and conquering your fears. Finally, we talk about investing in yourself. This is actually the second time I interviewed Stephanie. I did it about a year ago for this podcast, but in French. If you want to see a link to that episode, you can find it in the show notes. But without further ado, in English, here is Stephanie Gauguin. So I'm here with Stephanie Gauguin. You are a friend of mine that I went to school with, so we've known each other for a long time. But a long now time. <laughs> you've moved to Montreal to establish a, a nice career for yourself. So If somebody meets you for the first time, doesn't have our long history, and they ask you, so what do you do? What's your answer to that question? I would say full-time, I'm a hairstylist in the salon. Yeah. I say that I have three jobs. Full-time at the salon. I'm a national portfolio artist for L'Oréal Professional Canada, and I do hair competitions. And okay. for, for L'Oréal, basically, it's doing hair shows, giving master classes, going in the salon, giving classes, and doing like maybe a couple of hair shows a year. I can travel across Canada and really uh, do hair shows and classes all over. Okay. So if somebody would ask you, what are you really passionate about? What would your answer be? Hair. <laughs> Anything that has to do with hair and fashion. That's my go-to place. And how did that get started? How did you discover that hair was a passion of yours? Well, I used to, my Barbies had a lot of updos when I was young. <laughs> okay. I like to change their outfits and I modify their outfits. And, and I don't know, it was between two things, being a marine biologist and being a hairstylist. Okay. Because my two favorite things are hair and water. And when I found out it was seven years to be a marine biologist, I was like, never mind. <laughs> I'm not, I'm more, I'm really manual. I'm like, oh, I'm going to try hair out and ended up really, really loving it. Okay. But did you have any fear getting into this field that, you know, hairstylists, if you look at like the hourly rate wage that a hairstylist would get being hired for someone, it's usually fairly low. So did you ever have a feeling that maybe it's hard to make a living as a hairstylist? No, because for me, I loved it. And it was like, for me, you can make money with anything. As long as you're passionate about it, you love it and you do it for the right reasons. Yeah. Uh, for sure, when you start up, you make no money. Like, I won't lie, you make <laughs> no money. But I'm around all these wonderful artists that make so much money out of it that now it's not even like, no, I make really good money out of it. I really can't complain. Um, you really have to just want to. Okay. So there was no fear getting in because you already, even just getting in the field, you already knew you were passionate about it? Well, I liked it. I loved it. I was having fun doing it. I didn't really feel like I was working. The first couple of years are nerve wracking because you are playing with people's hair and it's very important to them. Okay. So if you screw somebody up, like, <laughs> they can yell at you, you know? Yeah. Do you have any horror stories or? Oh, I do have a couple, <laughs> of course. I mean, 
There, there are a couple of clients that have made me cry over the years. Really? Okay. Uh, well, because I care so much and I really want the client to be like so satisfied and so happy. And I always want to make them look at their best. Okay. So when you've worked like so long on this hair and you're so proud of it and you've done this color and you've been in the salon for like six hours and she doesn't like it, you're like, oh. Yeah. You know, that sucks. And we take it really personally as hairstylists because we're very emotional people most of the time okay so you have to learn not to take it personally and have to learn that you can't satisfy everybody so what is the greatest lesson you would say you learned through some of these failures uh i can't satisfy everybody <laughs> okay i'm a perfectionist so i want everybody to walk out of the salon and be like oh my god this is the best hair i've ever had yeah 75 percent of the time it happens but you can't satisfy everybody <laughs> okay so let's get into more of the details of uh, these hairstyling competitions so how did you get into this and why did that start to interest you? It's really a need to create because I love being in the salon. But in the salon, I mean, you'll do classy, maybe a little bit funky, but you don't do that big. I love the avant-garde, like the extravagant, like in, in clothing. I love like the edgy, the haute couture. I really saw all these hair shows. I remember going to my first hair show in Halifax and seeing all these big hair. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to do this. I had this need to create. Like all the time, even I do my Halloween costumes every year. Like I have to, I don't buy them, I make them. Okay. And I don't know, I just started creating and I'm like, oh, this could be fun. You know, doing photo shoots. I, I had a couple of friends that did them. I saw the pictures. I thought it was really cool. I did it once and I was hooked. Yeah. I love doing it because it's really my inspiration. It's my story that I'm telling. It's my way of seeing styling. Okay. And how do you develop this to be able to go out and compete and maybe win these competitions? Uh, well, you start off by doing a mood board and then you go, you have these couple of pictures that you're inspired by and you just basically bring it by, bring it lower and simplify it. And you just start from there and you have colors you have. I don't know. My inspiration comes a lot from clothing okay. or architecture or paintings. That's kind of interesting. Architecture. So how can architecture relate to uh, hairstyles? Um, it's basically the shapes, the shapes. Like if it's more triangle, it's more square. It's sometimes just the way like a building can be made. Really, the form of it can inspire you for a form. Can you uh, get into maybe a detail of how you seen this architecture at one point and you applied it to her hairstyle? Oh, when I went to Paris. Okay. I went to Paris in September and the architecture is mind-blowing. So like so many things that I applied after that I saw, I took so many pictures. of. It was funny because we were two portfolio artists and we went to Paris to go see this big hair show. And we were taking pictures. Like, I'm sure if like, my boyfriend would have been with me, he would have been like, you're such an idiot. But I was taking pictures of like these random little texture pieces or this shape. And not necessarily because the building was beautiful, but it was because I really liked the shape of the building. Okay. And I would take a picture because of that to remind me. So when I got home, I could make a folder out of it and just in the colors and the textures and everything. It's kind of interesting to think of a hairstyle as a building. For you, yeah. <laughs> for me, see, when I look at color, it's like a painting. When I look at a hairstyle, it's like a sculpture. Okay. So for me, like architecture comes into the sculpture very easily and cutting. By going into these competitions, do you find that it really um, helped you in your everyday job as a hairstylist? Yeah, for sure. Because I, you know, it gets my creative juices flowing. So I sometimes I apply little things to my clients, like especially if I'm doing an updo. Okay. So do your clients sometimes feel a bit nervous of, you know, because you have to trust your hairstylist that you're going to do something that they enjoy, right? You know, you had the possibility of creating something new, creating a new uh, hairstyle. But at the same time is you have to cater to your client's needs, right? So do you find that sometimes it's hard to put 
yourself in your client's hair and you're not sure if they would like that or have you always been fairly confident in doing that? I'm fairly confident because I mean, I do have the 15 years of experience and I do a lot of classes and I give a lot of classes, but it's very important as a hairstylist. And that's one of our biggest pet peeves to listen to the client. Okay. Our client will be your number one seller. Like they're your number one promotion basically. So you really have to listen to them. Like sometimes I do things that I don't really, I'm like, mm. but I will try and give them visuals so they can see what I'm talking about. I will try even sometimes with their face shapes or whatever, I'll bring in visuals because most of the time we're very visual as people okay. and we get a more sense of what we're going to have and it makes them feel way more comfortable and I explain to them what I'm going to do and why I'm doing it also. Like, okay, I'm going to cut it to your jawline to really ex- like layer it more in the front to expose your beautiful face because you have a smaller face and your hair makes it look smaller or dark part of your hair in the middle. It makes your, your nose look longer, you know? <laughs> so how do you... How do you learn? Like, what kind of questions do you ask your clients to learn how you can find exactly what they want? My first two go-to questions are, what do you like and what do you don't like? So that way, I know I'm not going to, uh, towards what they don't like. So already there, you create a barrier that you're safer. And that just overall, list, really listen to them okay. and their needs. And I also ask them, like, what do you do? Do you style your hair? Are you a wash and wear? You style it with the brush, you style it with the flat iron. And that gives me a lot of ideas and different techniques that I can use to satisfy their needs better. All right. So do you remember any point in time when you said that you really wanted to be the best that you could be at this craft and not just do your job? Oh, my God. It's been a long time. But yeah, I've all, <laughs> I'm very competitive. I want to be the best at everything. Okay. So sometimes I'm like, well, you know what? If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it to the top and be the best internationally being in an artistic field the best is often subjective it is how do you push yourself to be the best and how do you find ways to be better every day you know what at the end of the day if i'm really satisfied with what i've done then i know i've done my best but there's always room for improvement (laughs) so how do you find ways to improve i always relook at my pictures and relook at my things and look at the winners and what okay what made that they won okay well their model was a little bit more they pose better or the lighting was better or whatever. You always criticize your work. Okay. And also I made people in my field that I really respect criticize my work, which is hard. Yeah. <laughs> but for like my presentations and my hair show, I actually film myself all the time and I rewatch myself. Okay. So walk me through one of these hair shows. What does it comprise of? Like what is a hair show? A hair show is basically, well, for a lot of professional, you have different types, but normally it's all the big trends. Uh, You have about two hair shows a year and it's the spring and summer trends or the fall and winter trends. You also have hair shows that are really more for the show that are really more avant-garde. Especially the hair competition shows are very out there because all hairstylists and they want to bring out their A-game, all the big companies. But basically you have models, which are sometimes models from agencies or sometimes they bring in my friends, my clients that are pretty and that like to get all pampered. Uh, so you basically do their colors and that. And then at the show, you basically explain a new haircut, a new hairstyle. And you explain to about 200 to 500, 600 hairstylists in the room okay. that you're explaining a haircut or a hairstyle to. So that must be exciting that you are presenting a new hairstyle. Or would it be something that you designed? Uh, not yet. Okay. <laughs> Those are the ambassadors. That's one level up for me. But uh, that's my goal to be an ambassador and really introduce new haircuts and do the haircuts. So how do you define a path to get to that goal? Bugging my boss from La Real every week. Okay. <laughs> uh, what more can I do? What more can I be better at? What more? Uh, he told me the only thing I was missing now is experience. So I have to get experience. Okay. Doing more hair shows, doing more master classes and 
it's just getting better and doing things better, I guess. All right. So do you have mentors that you can talk to who are ambassadors that can kind of guide you? For sure. I have a, I'm very, very lucky because we're four artists in the salons that are in the salon that I work at right now. And I think we're the only one in Canada. I'm not sure for L'Oreal, but so we have one ambassador and three artists and they're all higher up than me, which is really cool. And they, me, <laughs> oh my God, they're always on me. But you know what? You know, one of the girls, Sandy, who's an ambassador, she told me the other day, she's like, she's like, sometimes I'm rough with you, but it's because I know you can do it. And she's like, I know you're going to get there. Good. So that's a good step in finding a job where you can be with them uh, daily or regularly to be able to learn yeah. from them. So how did you get into that position? How did you, did you work to find that position to be there? It kind of fell on my lap, actually. I knew one of the owners who's an artist that I've known for a couple of years now because we work together at L'Oreal. And uh, one day she, she would always say like, come and say hi to me at the salon. And one Saturday I was just walking around. There was a festival on Saint Laurent. And I just stopped by and said hi. And she told me she was looking for hairstylists. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm not happy where I am. So I switched a month after. And then it was really fun because Sandy, another ambassador, was looking to change it two weeks after she was in. And then two weeks ago, we got a portfolio artist, Hugo, that started working because everybody wants to work with us. We're so awesome. <laughs> That's definitely to, to be able to network and to be with these people who are, you know, trying to up their game is definitely a, an advantage because yeah. you're experiencing it every day now, right? Yeah, every day. I'm constantly in it. And even in the salon, some other people that are hairstylists that work there aren't necessarily hair, like portfolio artists, but they do hair competitions. Everybody loves their job. Okay. Everybody wants to be better at it. So to be constantly in that atmosphere is amazing. Like even like Sandy, she's an ambassador. She's top of the top and she still betters herself all the time. She's still finding ways to do things better and to do different, to do things differently. Okay. So you moved uh, from a smaller village where I grew up to uh, a larger city of Montreal. Do you think that you could have achieved what you achieved by staying in a smaller place or you really needed to move to a large center? For me, I always say, no offense to Saint Antoine, but I always say the best move I've ever done was to move to Montreal. Okay. Because it really made me grow, be more adventurous. In New Brunswick, I stayed more in my little cocoon here. I had no choice. If I wanted to make it, I had no choice. Get out of my, it totally got me out of my comfort zone. Like taking the metro every day. Like it's some things that you're not used to, you know? Definitely. Getting out of your comfort zone will definitely oh, make yeah. you experience different things and and try maybe give you a taste to try new challenges because you've sure. seen that you are able to live outside your comfort zone, right? And I'm constantly getting out of my comfort zone, like constantly, because I don't want to be comfortable and then be afraid of stuff. Okay. Every time I have a fear, I conquer it. I go straight, like head on head with it, make sure that I don't have that fear anymore. Yeah. Can you elaborate on how you find these uh, ways to move out of your comfort zone? Like, can you think of examples of things that you were scared of that you decided to do anyways? And how did you motivate yourself to do it anyways? Well, I always think of the end result. Okay. And I think that every time that I had a fear and I conquered it, I think about how I felt, how amazing it felt. Like I, I did my first hair show in Quebec City and I was so scared. We were three new artists and we were so like nervous and stuff. But I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it and I'm going to rock that shit. And I made sure that I was very well prepared. Okay. Because when you're well prepared for stuff like that, whatever happens, you're prepared for it. 
So it makes you feel more comfortable. It makes you feel more at ease. Yeah. So can you think about something, a fear that you conquered in recent days or maybe even recent years that really helped you get to a next level? Uh, just fear of judgment was a big one. Okay. Fear of judgment because you're always thinking like, oh my God, I hope they love my work. Oh my God, I hope they don't think I sound like a hillbilly with my French accent, you know, which people love. But sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I hope they understand me. So those are my fear that uh, that I conquered, like, you know, and I was just like, you know what, you got to put yourself out there because I have a specific goal. And if I'm going to achieve that, that's what I need to do. I need to put myself out there. What do you think helped you most in getting f rid of that fear of judgment? My life coach. Okay. My life coach is the best investment I've ever done. Because she's, she's really pushing me. And sometimes like she'll dumb down my fears and she'll be like, really? Like, this is like, not like this is stupid, but. You know what? Like, she'll simplify it. And she'll be like, and then you think about it and you're like, oh, well, at the end of the day, it's really not that bad. Yeah. So did you find it hard to decide to invest in a life coach or, you know, to invest in yourself? Because a lot of people sometimes they see, well, maybe I could use that money to do maybe more marketing or take a class, but to hire a life coach and to help you in different kind of reasons. What motivated you to take that investment? Well, I wasn't, I wasn't where I wanted to be and I didn't feel good myself. I had a lack of confidence. And I said, you know what? The best thing that I can do, because even if I put all this money into advertising or whatever, if I'm not good with myself and I can't present myself properly, it's not going to work. Okay. For me, the first thing of all is I have to be good. And once I'm good, everything good around me comes in and it's easier to handle. What kind of things did your life coach uh, bring to you that you felt that helped you immensely in your career? Uh, oh my God, so many things. Where do I start? Just, you know, saying that you can do anything in life. She would be just like, you can do it. You just have to have the patience and work at it and you can achieve it. Because at first, like I was like, I was even scared to tell her my big goals because I thought she was going to tell me like, oh, well, you can't achieve those. But it's not true. Everybody can basically achieve what they want as long as you work hard at it and you practice a lot. Basically helping me really have more confidence in myself because we all have like stuff in the past that makes us not believe in ourselves or our fears or whatever. And she's just basically helped me move past them and actually see how much of a blessing they are. Because I'm a firm believer that everything in life is either a lesson or a blessing. So, okay. Yeah, definitely. So I'm trying to think like, how would someone practice if you're, you don't have someone to practice on? Would you like buy a wig and practice on it? Or how do you keep practicing on your art to do different things to be able to compete? That makes me laugh a lot. Because if you would see where I'm sitting right now, <laughs> I'm probably in the middle of like 15 mannequin heads. Okay. <laughs> so I'm in my office. I have a lot of mannequin heads. I have wigs, I have extensions, I'm always practicing. Sometimes I'll practice on real people, especially if it's like a model that a uh, photo shoot's coming up, I'll practice because I have to measure their heads and stuff depending on what I'm doing. But I practice on mannequin heads mostly. And do you set specific time frames in your day that you are going to practice today and going to practice tomorrow? And how, how do you manage your practice time? That is my one of my challenges right now, I must say. It's finding enough time for the friends For the boyfriend, thank God the boyfriend is so patient <laughs> and trying to practice on my work. And But I have like special special times, like normally Tuesdays during the day, that's what I do. And if not, like it depends on what night, it depends if I have things. Normally a night that I'm home is a night that I'm practicing. All right. And did it get easier or harder as you progressed in your career to put in that practice? Uh, I think it gets harder because I'm busier and busier. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's really making the time. You have to make sure that it's in your schedule. I try and make myself schedules. I, I put the time in my agenda. Yeah. Make sure that I have that time because it's very important. 
do you set a specific goal to say that you are going to practice X amount of time in in this week? Uh, no, not really. It's basically to like, get things right. So it can be from like two hours to 40 hours. Okay. <laughs> Depending on what I have to do. Okay. So what are the goals that you have in mind right now that you'd like to achieve? I really want to be known internationally. I want to do international hair shows. That's one of my biggest, like two of the biggest hair shows that I really love is the alternate hair show, which is out of this world. Like it's crazy what they do. And La Haute Coiffure Française, which is really like, it's it's like Parisian high fashion, but for hair, it's fantastic. It's gorgeous. Okay. Do you have a set path in your mind of how you're going to get there? I have some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> We're working on that a lot with my life coach. I also have a body language coach. Okay. So that when I present, I present, I do a better show. I had a tendency to keep like all to myself and do my movements very small. But when you're doing a show and when you're in a big stage, you need to like exaggerate all your movements and open up. So I've wor been working a lot on that. Just getting really nice pictures out there, getting known, going up in the real too, because uh When you're an ambassador, then you can travel the world a little bit more. So you get known. And the Canadian uh, La Real professional ambassador team has a really, really good vibe all around the world. They, they love them. They're so talented. They're so good. And I'm lucky that I can just call any one of them up right now and ask them for advice. So All right. So you would create something, practice on a mannequin, take a picture, send them to them and get some feedback on it? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, sometimes I will send my pictures, like especially at work. Before I send any pictures in, I have my two bosses and uh, Sandy and the ambassador and Hugo. They see my pictures all the time. And my best friend, because she notices every detail about everything. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So if we look back on how did you get started into being a portfolio artist for L'Oréal? Was that a goal that you had that you wanted to achieve? And how did you get into that position? My first hair show that I saw in Halifax, I saw these artists on stage and I'm like, one day I'm going to be on that stage. That was it. I'm like, one day it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. It took me to move to Montreal to work in different salons and to bug the ass out of L'Oreal Professional, okay? Okay. I We had a technician. Every time I would come, can I go help you in hair shows? Can I do this? Can I help you in this class? Can I do anything? I took all of the classes L'Oreal Professional gave. All of them. You would see my face everywhere. Okay, so showing up, just showing up to everything. Showing up, being there, always helping, always staying and talking to the artists at the end and telling them, I want to be in your spot. Do you have any advice? Okay. I would do this all the time. And then finally, I got a job as an artistic educator, which was basically knowing everything about color and helping out at hair shows and giving little classes. And then finally, the auditions for being a portfolio artist opened up. And I worked so hard on that audition. <laughs> My CV was a PowerPoint with a video. Okay. I worked so hard because I wanted to be different and I really wanted to be up there. And you had to um, come in with one model, show them uh, cutting and styling. I came in with four models, a PowerPoint, another video. I came in with so many things. And I know, I already knew because I already talked to the big, big boss, Ale. I know like I would stay for debriefs after to see what, what the artist could improve on. So I know you had to talk about products. You have to do all this So I put like pictures of products, what I used, everything. I knocked their socks off. <laughs> okay. So were you always a, an overachiever, let's say like this, or did that just develop once you really found your niche? Well, I've always been really competitive, but I found I gave up too fast. Okay. In hair, I don't give up. It's my little, yeah, it's because I'm really passionate about it and I have set goals and I'm, I'm really hard-headed when I want something. Okay. So I guess it's a good quality in that sense. Definitely. And often people will find that 
they'll ask a few times for something, but they don't want to keep asking because they feel like they're bugging them. So was that something that you, it was easy for you to continue pushing for it? Uh, no, because I, that's right. You're afraid you're going to bug them, but then my life coach would be so what? <laughs> She'd be like, you want that spot? Yeah. Well, bug, just don't be like, don't bug them all like too much, but yeah, yeah. like bug them, like remind them, just be very polite, very nice. Hey, I was wondering, remember I asked you that question? Uh, do you have an answer for me or blah, blah, blah? Like, can you help me? Do you want to go? I've been out, like I've asked to go for lunch with some artists, even from some other companies that I knew just to have their input and have their feedback on what it takes to be a good artist. All right. Cool. It seems that your life coach really helped you in getting to this point. So I'm wondering if if you had to give advice to someone who's kind of looking to get into this field, what would you tell them? Oh my God, what would I tell them? Go take a lot of classes. Okay. Really take classes. It's the best thing you can do. Because when you get out of school, you just have the base, which is good. But for me, not good enough. So really perfection yourself in what you like. If you prefer color, go into color. If you prefer styling, really perfection yourself and take classes. I've been to Vidal Sassoon. I have taken classes everywhere. So it's really, and that's what really made me a better hairstylist. And not just taking classes either in the styling, but also taking classes in how to communicate with your client. Because when a client comes in, it's 85% emotion of how they feel on your chair and not even the end result. Yeah, definitely. So you really have to treat them like a prince or a princess. Okay. I guess that kind of goes around what I wanted to ask you. So I really want to thank you for taking the time to come in the show. It's my pleasure. I liked it the first time. It was even better the second time. <laughs> and for for those who speak French, I will post the French version of uh, the interview that we did. Oh, well, it's probably been like close to a year ago a year, now, really. Yeah. yeah. So we, we did an interview in French when I was kind of just starting out that I wanted to do this. So I'll post this uh, online on the, the same post as this episode. So if you do want to listen to the original or the French version of this uh, interview, it'll be there. So I, I really want to thank you for taking the time. If somebody wants to follow you, who wants to know more about what you do and you know what these hairstyles look like, how can they find you, Stephanie? I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. It's S Gauguin, G-O-G-U-E-N, hair. All right. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. Um, and I'll link that in the post as well. So if you want to look at the show notes, you'll be able to find that information. Yeah, you can see all my info, all my pictures and the events that I do. I have to be a little... I, that's one thing I have to be better at, my social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get a social media coach now. I, I did. Cool. Awesome. Did for a while, she showed me little tricks. So now I'm getting better. It's the time, you know? Exactly. It's good that you recognize that you can find the help that you need. You know, if you need help in a certain direction, you find the help you want. Totally. And you're not afraid of investing in yourself. No, you have to. The best investment you can do in life is in yourself. Yeah, I think that's a really great lesson to, to end on. So thank you, Stephanie, and uh, I wish you a great you're career. Welcome. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the whole episode of the Hired by Passion podcast. I really had a lot of fun talking to my childhood friend, Stéphanie Gauguin. There's a few points Stéphanie brought up that I thought were really interesting. First and foremost is how she asks her client what they want and how important she finds that her client's satisfaction is to her own success because she sees them as the number one way to promote herself. Because a happy client will probably tell a lot of their friends about it. So that word of mouth spreads and that's how you grow a business. And I think that applies to a lot of different businesses in that we need to listen to our clients to find out who your clients are and what do they want and what do they not want and taking the time to really explore these options to be able to give them exactly what they want in order to grow your brand. 
I enjoyed how she talked about reviewing her work a lot, taking videos and looking at her photos and seeing, comparing with what is working right now and what she needs to do to, in order to get to that goal. And I think there's a lot of improvements that can be made by reviewing your work and by asking for feedback. She says she regularly asks for feedback to mentors and colleagues in order to be able to improve her own art. Finally, I really enjoy how Stephanie is not shy about asking for the help and hiring people like a life coach, like a body language coach, in order to tutor her in the areas that she needs to work on. I personally sometimes have a hard time investing in myself because I don't necessarily see that the payback is there. I find it's hard to invest right now in order to hope that it pays off later on. It probably always will, but when funds are limited, I can see how hard it is to be able to decide to invest in yourself because I'm living that situation right now. But I definitely am keeping in mind that at some point it will be worth it to invest in myself. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, as always, I would greatly appreciate you sharing the episode. If you go on the Facebook page, you just hit the little button there. Share, share it to your, your Facebook friends. I would really appreciate that. Next week, I'm releasing Biff Naked's episode. So I hope you're looking forward to it as much as I'm looking forward to being able to release it to you guys and gals. So again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Hired by Passion podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes.